Hey y'all, welcome back to Why Wait Till Monday. I'm your host, Nicole Shabazz. This episode is part three of the Women's Reproductive Health Series. And today I'm talking with Lavelle Williamson. She's a wife, mom, and HR coordinator for a nonprofit organization. In this episode, Lavelle shares her experience with fibroids that led her to have a hysterectomy. She wants to encourage women to listen to their bodies and always get a second or third opinion. Thank you for listening to this episode. Enjoy. Why don't you introduce yourself and you know let us know who you are and what it is that you do. Okay, my name is Lavelle Williamson, and I work for I work in the HR department for a company called New Concepts for Living. Uh, we're a nonprofit organization who deals with the mentally disabled population, and I am the onboarding coordinator for the business. Okay, okay, great. Um, human resources. That's um, that's a lot of details. Uh, keeping up with the different rules and regulations and policies and stuff like that. So. I take my hat off to you. <laughs> yeah, COVID, COVID had me stressed out. I just was like, I'd never want to work in age. Doing this, I'm having a conversation with women who experience um, either, uh, either or all of these, all of the above, whether it's fibroids, um, a hysterectomy, mm-hmm. or who are going through menopause. So, which one of those categories do you fall into? <laughs> so, I had fibroids. Um, and then about three years ago, because I ended up getting fibroids again, mm-hmm. um, I asked my doctor, what was the next step? Like, I just was tired of having surgeries. Mm-hmm. And he told me that um, I can get a partial hysterectomy. Okay. Um, it wouldn't cause me to go into early menopause or anything like that. So, of course, I'm, you know, being a woman, I wanted to get a second opinion. Yeah. So I went and got second opinions. I figured I don't want to go the holistic way because it really doesn't really work. Mm-hmm. Um, I had a cousin who did go through the holistic uh, way and she's still struggling with it. Okay. Um, so I went ahead and I had the partial hysterectomy. Okay. So, yeah. So um, how long, prior- when did... Mm-hmm. When did you find out that you had fibroids and when did you have the first um, surgery to remove them? Oh, so 15 years ago, um, mm-hmm. I ended up developing fibroids. I had actually went to the doctor and my doctor wasn't there, but the there was another doctor that he had in the office that worked there as well. Mm-hmm. So I had knew before my mom passed away that she had just had fibroids removed, but hers was in a location where they could just laserly remove them. Okay. So it was it it, it ran in the family because both my aunts on my both my mom and my dad's side had fibroids. Okay. So I went to the doctor. I had heavy periods. I couldn't mm-hmm. stop bleeding, and I would have a period for almost like a month, and I had to mm-hmm. wear heavy overnight pads. And I said, "This isn't normal." I went to the doctor again. My doctor wasn't there, so I had to see this other doctor. Mm-hmm. And me knowing my body and me knowing my family's history, I said to the doctor, I believe I had fibroids. Mm-hmm. And instead of him checking me to see if I had fibroids, he put me on the depot shot. Mm. So when he when he put me on the depot shot, by the next day, I was in pain. 
And then by that weekend, I had clots the size of an embryo coming out of me. Yes. So I went back to the doctor when my doctor was there and I said, look, this doctor put me on the depot shot. He didn't check me for fibroids, but I know my family history. I knew I had the fibroids. Mm-hmm. So my doctors said, why would he give you the shot? That's a bunch of hormones at one time. He said, fibroids live off of the hormone. Yes. I said, but this is the doctor in your office and this is what he gave me. <laughs> right. <laughs> he was My doctor was livid that he even did that. So my doctor then put me on the pill to see if he could get it to shrink because what that doctor did was feed the the fibroids. So then the fiber became bigger. Mm -hmm. He said, I'm not going to put you on it for long. I'm just going to check it to see if it shrinks within two, two to three weeks. Two to three weeks came. It did not shrink at all. Right. He gave me, he said, well, I'm going to have to go in and I'm going to, he didn't give me an ultrasound. And he said, well, there's one the size of a, a cantaloupe. And I said, I would figure that it was huge because everybody would think I was pregnant. And I'm like, yeah, no, no, I can't even have sex right now. I'm always bleeding. I'm not pregnant. (laughs) So my doctor said, look, I'm going to have to do surgery. I went to do my pre-ops for my surgery. He called me that night and my doctor never calls me in the middle of the night. And I said, well, why are you calling me? I'm sleeping. And he goes, because... He said, your stuff from the hospital came back and your all your levels are low. Everything is low. And I'm surprised that you're still walking right now. Mm-hmm. And I said, he asked me who my primary doctor is. And at that time, it was Dr. Rizzo. God rest his soul. He's not alive anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, so he was in communication with my primary. And he said, look, I don't know how you're walking or you're even moving right now. But I need you to come back to the office. I want you to come back to the hospital. And I have to move your surgery date up. Um, you had to take iron infusion before and after. Mm-hmm. So I did that and um, I had to change my diet, of course. Um, I changed the diet for a couple of years and then I went back to my old ways. And then that's mm-hmm. when the fibroid came back again. But okay. even after that surgery that I had with him, I because my levels were so low, I had to go for iron treatment for three months. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So um, it's like typical case, right? You go to the doctor's office, you tell them something's wrong. And instead of like doing their research, they automatically give you medication without even checking to see, okay, what is wrong, right? right. So, um, mm-hmm. and then the first course d- didn't even work. But our stories are sort of similar because when um, prior to me having um, my partial hysterectomy, I had to have the iron infusions too because when they did my pre my pre admission blood work, they called me like six o'clock in the morning. It was like you need to go and get this infusion. So I had to get the iron infusions before they would even you know give me the surgery. So um, that's but I like how you know their first course wasn't um, the hysterectomy because you hear a lot of women's stories like that too. Like they never heard of any other alternative before they had the um the hysterectomy so after the fibroids came back and you decided to have the partial hysterectomy what um what influenced you to do the hysterectomy versus um trying to you know preserve uh your organs uh well i had gotten second opinions but years ago dr cocozelli i wrote four mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. wanted me to have a hysterectomy and I was like in my 20s and I said are you crazy no 
Right. And I never went back. I never went back to that office again. But <laughs> it was during um after my third my first surgery, I had to I had to get blood transfusion both before and after, along okay. with the iron. Mm-hmm. So I was like, I didn't want to have to go through that again. So my doctor was talking to me. I had just had twins. My twins mm-hmm. are seven now. Okay. And the only reason why I didn't do it earlier is because I didn't know if I wanted more kids. He said, he he's like, you should see if you want more kids or do, you know, X, Y, and Z, do your research. I did my research, of course. And I said to him, now that I had my twins, I said, there's no way in hell that I want more kids. Mm-hmm. I'm done. <laughs> I said, but I want to be there to be able to take care of my kids. Mm-hmm. So, and then, you know, I said, is this the only option? He was like, I can't keep you on birth control forever because birth control, people don't realize with birth control, you end up getting clotting with birth control. Yeah. So he said, it's going to be just like before you got to go on the birth control, then come off a couple months or a month or two and then back and forth. And I said, well, I don't want to keep doing that. Right. So I just went for, I went and got a second opinion I went to my doctor's Indian. So I went Mm -hmm. to an African-American female doctor and Mm -hmm. she actually spoke to me and she said, I actually do advise some of my clients who don't want children anymore to actually do the partial um, because it would help them in the long run. Right. And I said, okay. So I did did my research and I decided to just go with the partial. I discussed it with my other half and I said, look, Mm -hmm. we won't have any more kids. I don't think you need more we're not going to have more. We have two sets of twins. We don't need any more kids. Right. <laughs> and he, he basically said, he was like, hey, well, whatever is comfortable for you. Like you got to, this your body. And I said, okay, I'm going to do, the, I'm going to get the partial. Um, I asked my doctor, like, um, you sure it's not going to cause me to have like early menopause? He said, no. Mm-hmm. Even though I get nights where I'm sweating like crazy, he claims mm-hmm. it's not menopause. And I said, okay, I'm going to trust you. Um, but, but yeah. Okay. Um, so how was, how was why. the recovery? How was the recovery after you, um, after you had the hysterectomy? So the recovery was a little, it was, it, to me, it felt a little bit longer with, from the, the first time for my first surgery. Mm-hmm. Um, it took about, so it's supposed to take, he wanted me to stay out three months. Mm-hmm. I told him I can do a month because after being home with the kids, I realized that I could not heal at home with dumb home. If they were in mm-hmm. camp or something, that would be a different story. Mm-hmm. So I had to actually beg him to send me back to work because he wasn't going to send me back until September. And I said, look, I have bills to pay. I got to go back to work. He said, I'm not sending you back. He finally broke down and said, I'll send you back for the half a day. You can't work a whole day. You can't carry everything heavy. You can't lift this. Right. And I was like, all right, I'm fine. And he said, you can't do your workouts. So that's what killed me the most is the fact that I had to go three, four months without working out. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, eventually I kind of got over it. But the, the recovery internally, you feel like externally, you feel like you're fine. But internally, you're still healing. Yeah. I learned that the hard way because I ended up trying to live something. And I was like, oh, gosh, something's not right. My inside don't feel right. Let me go back to the doctor. Mm-hmm. Um, I was OK. They just reminded me I can't lift. You couldn't lift anything over 20 pounds. Right, right. Yeah, so that was just me being hard-headed. So did you, how did you feel, um, like, after you had the surgery, did you feel like that was the best decision you could have made? Did you feel like you shouldn't have done it? Like, what were your... 
emotional thoughts so my, afterwards. My thoughts for with it was I felt better. I felt um, I had more energy. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't feel tired all the time. Um, I didn't get the bloating that you would get when you have fibroids. You're constantly getting bloated. Mm-hmm. So I did not miss those days. I was like, I could actually fit jeans that I know I could fit without the bloating. Like I would right. always wear sweatpants or wear pants with elastic waist because I didn't mm-hmm. want me to have to be bloat having bloatings. Right. So I felt better after I had it. I wasn't, you know, I, I support my decision a hundred percent because I knew deep down inside I did not want any more children. Mm-hmm. But it also reduces the risk of me actually getting the fibroids again. Right. Right. So um how's your your nutrition now? Do you monitor like how you eat and are you still physically active? I've always kind of monitored so with my first surgery, he had me stay off of chicken with hormones. Mm-hmm. But I fell off somewhere because I would go out and I'm like, okay, I gotta get a piece of chicken in my system. So then my cousin decided to go vegetarian on me. I said, well, girl, I can't go vegetarian, but I could do like salmon or something. She was like, no, you can't eat no meat. I said, then we can't do this together. Mm-hmm. So the second time I went back to my old ways where I actually stayed with it. So my diet as of right now, so because it's summertime, I grow a lot of my, my vegetables. So mm-hmm. the kids are in the, in the in the garden with me. They pick the vegetables. So I'm into vegetables. I've always been into vegetables. I'm trying to get my kids to be more supportive of eating vegetables. Mm-hmm. I have a son that refuses to eat anything green, but I juice. I always juice. So I juice more. I substitute certain meals. Like sometimes I'll have like a shake for breakfast mm-hmm. and then I'll come home and cook dinner in the wintertime. I love it because then I just set everything in the crock pot so by the time I come home all I have to do is make a side right Um, yeah my whole diet kind of changed I really only eat a lot of fish okay I kind of if I do if I do eat chicken it's the halal chicken of course Mm -hmm. um I have to get the free range chicken with no hormones yeah. So I've been consistent with that and I go back I go for my checkups and the only thing I had was like a cyst, but he said that's normal. Uh, mm-hmm. And he told me that with the partial, he was like, you will rarely, rarely get a period. You'll get like a drop, if anything. Mm-hmm. Um, so so did I you have a cycle? So you still get a cycle? I don't. Okay, because I was going to say. I don't <laughs> get a cycle. <laughs> yeah, no. And so you still you still have to go for like um, annual or biannual pap smears, correct? I go for annual. Um, mm-hmm. Previously, when I was on the birth control, he had me go um, twice a year. Mm-hmm. Um, just because I was on the birth control, he wanted to monitor it. But since I had the partial, I went back to my annual visits. Right. So, And right. he only does it, he said he would only do it annually because he said the insurance companies are trying to push things back. He was telling me that some insurance companies want you to go every two years. He said he had one insurance company that wouldn't pay for his clients annual because they told her that you got to go every two years. And he said, no, you're not doing that to my clients. They need an annual checkup. Yeah. Some of them, they're trying to hold on to money in the worst ways. So that's why it's important Mm -hmm. that we, you know, we do our own prevention and it sounds like you have a pretty, a pretty good routine. 
you I gotta stay mm-hmm. with it. I like every time my son goes to football practice, I try to do some of the drills with him on the side. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like me to go on the field and do it with him, but if he sees me on the side, I'm okay. Mm-hmm. Um, he works out with me every day because he's so into his body now too. So it's like mm-hmm. we all work out together. Um, he juices. I got him into juicing every day. I sneak a piece of kale into whatever I'm juicing him for him, just so mm-hmm. he's getting some greens in his right. body. Yeah, um, you have I take a lot of calcium. So I have two girls and I have a boy. My twins are a boy and a girl. And okay. then I have a 17-year-old in college. Okay. Okay, good. Yeah. So so that's good. And and now you know how to um, you know, prepare your daughter, like to, you know, educate her, like age appropriate, of course, to, you know, prepare her of body course. for, you know, for what's happening. Because the the reason why I wanted to have these conversations is I feel like um, not I feel like I know that no one talks about it, right? So we all go through these things and it's just like, well, why nobody told me? Why nobody told me this happened? Right. And, um, you know, it's common because I could sit at a table with five women and three out of the five women either have fibroids or had a hysterectomy or going through menopause. And it's like, okay, we're all sitting here going through these things and no one brings up the conversation. It's not discussed. And, um, you know, my sister was one of the per- um, persons who I'm talking to, who I interviewed for this conversation. And she was telling me she mm-hmm. had an experience when she was like a teenager. I never even knew. And that was my own sister. I said, you never even told me you're going through <laughs> these things. At least I would have been aware because I, I didn't start going through um, like fibroids and stuff until after my last child, who said who's going to be 18 um, Sunday. And that's when I started mm-hmm. going through these things. But before then, I nothing was wrong that I knew of, you know. And um, I didn't know that it was like in the family because no one ever said anything. So I just wanted to start this discussion so that way we could get our younger girls, you know, prepared and just give them right. a heads up on how to take care of their bodies to try to prevent it as much as they can, you know. Because if it's genetics and it runs in our family, then, you know, it's not really much we can do. Right about it but it, we could at least um control it by like not eating chicken with hormones in it you know and eating more our right. fruits and vegetables and stuff like that and being active right and mm. it's good to have that open dialogue with the with your because i have that dialogue with my daughter because she has really bad cramps when she gets her period so i'm mm-hmm. always on it uh, on top of it 100 percent because i remember after I had her, I had bad periods where the yeah. cramps were just unbearable. And that was the fibroid. Mm-hmm. So I actually took her to get an ultrasound and get checked mm-hmm. to make sure she didn't have it. And I told her, I said, you have to stay on top of this because mommy had it. Your grandmother had it. Mm-hmm. Your, your father's side had it. You're going to get it. There's no way it's going to skip you. You're going to get it. And this is what you need to do. And she's she's aware but the funny thing is, my seven-year-old asks more questions than my seventeen-year-old. <laughs> yeah, they so, do. Those, those like, little ones are different. <laughs> we, I have that all open dialogue with my kids. If you're going through something, if you had a bad day, my daughter will say, "Well, mommy, can we have a conversation?" I said, and I'll say, "Yeah, we can have a conversation." So she does that. Like even with visiting the colleges with my for my oldest. She'll go, we go to the college, we're on these tours. She goes, mommy, I have EOF, right? And I'm like, you're not going to college, girl. <laughs> this is for your sister. She's like, but I have EOF, right? And I'm like, you have EOF, yes. But she'll ask me, 
when she gets her period. And I said, you have a long ways to go, honey. Mm -hmm. You're seven. You got a, you got a couple more years. Enjoy it while you can. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. But, That's why I used to tell my, my kids, like, be a kid. Because trust me, you have decades to be an adult. <laughs> so just enjoy being a kid. There's no rush. It, <laughs> there's absolutely no rush. But my oldest she was with me when I had to go for the, the transfusion and the iron. So she witnessed firsthand what the fibroids did. Mm -hmm. And my body just trying to bounce back to my normal self even after. Because mm -hmm. with my first surgery, it took me, just for my body, it, from the iron, it took a while like for my body to get back to normal. Like right. I developed alopecia because of the fibroids. Mm-hmm. So I was telling my daughter, I said, you got to be careful because I, me having to go through alopecia with the fibroids and my doctor, was, my dermatologist was telling me that had a main factor to do with the alopecia, how the beginning and then I went and got it braided, which mm -hmm. pulled it even more. Right. And I said, oh, oh, and I was like, OK, so I stopped getting my hair braided like that. Mm -hmm. I would go to like local people that don't braid that tight. Mm -hmm. anymore if I have to get it braided and stuff and I'm like even with alopecia you have to treat your scalp you have to massage your scalp mm -hmm. just like with the fibroids I had to get my body back to normal mm -hmm. I had to massage my stomach to make sure that everything was okay it was just mm -hmm. a lot what other side effects you had in addition to do you have any other side effects in addition to the um, alopecia so dehydration when I had mm -hmm. the fibroids, I had to have ice with everything, and it had to be crushed ice. Mm -hmm. I didn't have to have that much ice when I was pregnant, but ever since I had the fibroids, I had to have ice with everything. And my doctor was telling me it's because of the iron deficiency that I had mm -hmm. um, throughout the surgeries and stuff. So I was like, oh. I said, well, why didn't you give me a tummy tuck when you did the surgery? He was like, that's not my specialty. <laughs> <laughs> but... But I that was one of them. And then with the alopecia, I developed, developed like, um, so I only have it in the front. Okay. And every time I would have to massage oils in my hair, and I have to do that constantly at least three mm -hmm. or four times a week. Okay. Is to keep the scalp massaged in oil and there's certain oils. And then, so there's actually one oil where my dermatologist I had years ago told me that my hair would never grow back. Mm -hmm. in the spots that where I had because of the alopecia that I did have mm -hmm. and I started using the oil because I was like okay it's never going to come back so let me just keep it moisturized and I do what I have to do I try to get protective styles or mm -hmm. call people who that who can actually braid hair with people with alopecia mm -hmm. um and even the lady that used to braid my hair and do my hair she said your hair is growing in the spots that she told you you would never grow hair in mm -hmm. and I said really she was like yeah she was like so we're gonna keep this oil treatment and I loved her so much and when COVID hit mm -hmm. I never saw her again what was the name of the oil but was I still it her keep oil? oil it wasn't her oil it was um it was an online oil mm -hmm. and it was by Hollywood okay yeah something like that okay. So I started using that, and then I um just started using another oil, which is actually pretty good too. Mm -hmm. Um, 
Yeah, but it's just like a lot of oils and stuff that mm -hmm. you gotta keep doing with your scalp when you have yes. this. Yes, you gotta I'm keep like, oh, trying, God. trial and error till you find what works. Right, right. That's even with going natural. It took me years to find the right products for my hair just from going mm -hmm. natural. I told my daughter, I said, it took me years. And, and here it is. I found one. Right. <laughs> you know what I found interesting was um, I used to always have to have ice water, too. And mm -hmm. um, like after I had the surgery, I had went to get a, a cup of ice with some water and it my mouth was freezing. Like my teeth and everything was so cold. And after that, I never had to have it anymore. Like, soon after really? I had the surgery, everything was corrected. Yep, I didn't have to have, like, the ice was too cold for my teeth. Like, it was sensitive. Whereas before, I was taking it down like a meal. <laughs> <laughs> is there is there anything that you want, that you want to add or you would, um, any advice you want to give to someone who's um, going through, you know, having fibroids or are considering a hysterectomy? Listen to your body. A woman knows a woman's body. Nobody knows your body more than you do. Um, I would definitely tell you, listen to your body. Always get a second and third opinion. I did it. And do what's right for you. Because at the end of the day, it's your body. And you'll mm -hmm. feel better with the results before anybody else. You'll, you will feel it. Um, I don't regret it. The partial hysterectomy. Um, you don't go through any type of menopause stages um and I, I would i would advise them to just oh, constantly go for your checkups and you know your body better than any doctor you mm -hmm. let them know what you're feeling how you're feeling and if that doctor's not listening to you change doc doctors yeah yeah those are good advice and i'll just add um you know maybe you know demand to know why you know before you know like how mm -hmm. you mentioned he gave you the depot it's like just ask like, okay, well, why? And how did you get to that conclusion? <laughs> you know, don't, um, mm -hmm. you know, ask more questions if you feel comfortable, feel comfortable enough to ask more questions. Definitely, definitely. Okay. Um, I appreciate you so much for sharing your story. Um, I know it takes a, a level of braveness to do that um, because, you know, we are, we are all private when it comes to like our bodies. So I'm glad that right. you um you're willing to share. So, but no um, I do appreciate you taking the time out um and sharing your story with me. And I would encourage people to share their stories with their friends because you might have somebody in your circle that's going through what you're going through, and they don't think that they think they're the only one. And you want to have mm -hmm. that open dialogue because they're going to need that emotional support throughout everything mm -hmm. that they're going through. They're going to need that support. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Thank you so much. Have a yes. good evening. You're bye. welcome. Bye. Okay, bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Why Wait Till Monday. If you enjoyed this episode, please leave a review and share with a friend. If you would like to send me a message, you can email whywaittillmonday at gmail.com. That's whywaittill, T-I-L, Monday at gmail.com. The content you hear on Why Wait Till Monday is for informational purposes only and does not intend or imply to be a substitute for professional advice or consultation with the healthcare professional. Always seeks guidance from your healthcare provider. I'll talk to you soon on the next episode. And in the meantime, start now. Don't wait until Monday. Bye now.